Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Welcome in to episode 17, season 4 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. Sadly, this is week 13. This is it, Tom. I'm half your host team, as always, JT, and Tom's on the other end. It is, it, it, we say it every year, it flies by, and man, the summer does not go this quickly. The winter definitely does not go this quickly, but man, from week 1 to week 13 just flies by. Dude. You didn't tell me you were going to try to make me cry here. You you mentioned none of this in our pregame chatter. Yeah, it is I, very I like sad. To, I like to get organic reactions, Tom. Yeah, I know you do. Makes me very sad to even think about that. But you you are correct. I mean, the season. And and I'll tell you what. And and, and a lot of people that are. This is completely off topic almost, but a lot of people that are uh, depressed or, uh, you know, have some of those anxiety type problems and whatnot, football season does a lot for people. It gives you something to look forward to. And I think that's what makes the, the time go by so fast. It's the anticipation of something that's just right around the corner. And I'm talking about week to week play. Mm-hmm. It, it, it lets me know, and, and from a personal standpoint in my life, I try to line up things in the off season to look forward to for just that reason. You know, it, it, it kind of it gives you a little incentive to, to push through the grind of a work week or something, knowing you got something on the horizon. And, and I think that's why it's so easy during football season for the weeks to slip by because that – that Saturday, that upcoming Saturday is always on sort of the forefront of your mind and, and what's going to happen. But, yeah, it's a, it always is uh, sad when it's winding down, particularly when we're out of the hunt. Or yeah. are we? Yeah, I, that's well, I, a little teaser there. I'm sure you've got 15 ways from Sunday we're going to make the playoffs. And, and you very well <laughs> might be right. You were almost right if you listen to this podcast and you watch the early action uh, Saturday, you realize, wow, Tom was very close to being right. But back to the the depression and and the anxiety and just it's good to get away from from real life for a day at a time, you know, thirteen days at a, or twelve days at a time. Thirteen, I guess, if you're just a college football fan, kind of. Like, I, I think you are about the same as me. Yeah, I'm Bama number one. But when Bama's off, I watch football. And championship weekend, I'm going to watch football. I'm going to watch a good number of the bowl games. But you remember in 2020, dead of summer, when we – you remember when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 said we're not having football. Dude, I was, I was like, very concerned for my mental health. I mean, I, I would have 
you know, I've got a girlfriend, she's really good, and I've got good friends, but man, like, what were we going to do on October the 12th, you know, November the 1st? Like, it was going to be a disaster, so thank goodness that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it was a shout-out to Misty there. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, that was, I, I was, I had a, a sick feeling in my stomach <laughs> during that period of time. And, and, and my wife, Deb, you know, she's also mentioned that, not that she's a huge football fan, but she went through a sort of a, a, a depressed period of time there when, uh, everything was kind of on lockdown and it was more just, and maybe it's me. And now that I come to think about it, she was stuck <laughs> with me all that time. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, she's a person that also looks forward to going and doing things. And that certainly hampered her lifestyle too. But I know we didn't come here to talk about COVID or, or football season ending. Well, maybe that, but uh, what, what else have we got going on, bud? Well, you have the uh, you've got the commentary, so uh, I'll let you take it away from here. But uh, if you didn't know, it, it is a, uh, Iron Bowl week, man. It's rivalry week, and I can't wait. Wivalry week. <laughs> I wish they would rerun that commercial all the time on Wivalry week. That's great. Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking about this, and and. Th- I piggybacked off an interview with Saban here a week or two ago, and they were asking him about, and I I think they took the opportunity to ask him about expanding the playoffs because of our long shot to actually get into a four-team playoff. And and Saban, Saban is pretty candid about a lot of things when it's not directly related to his players, his team, whatever. Just opinions now if if it's warranted opinion now if it's something he has no control over or something that you know you can't ask him did you think the refs do a good did good job in the game that's not he's not going to answer that but for things about nil and playoffs and sec play and nine game schedules and that sort of he always has a pretty good perspective on those things wouldn't you agree with that yeah for sure yeah, I mean, he, he he's always sort of got the hammer right on the nail head. Well, they asked him about the expansion of playoffs, I think it was just a week or two ago, and he said initially that he was against it. Uh, initially, and we're not talking about this year because he's not in as a wise for it, but he said initially he was against it because he thought it would devalue uh, the regular season. But now he's kind of flipped sides because of how it devalues the bowls. He always had the opinion that it would devalue the bowls somewhat as well. But to the extent that it has devalued them now, I think is what makes him want to go to a playoff system. And a lot of the devaluement of those bowls comes from obviously not people not having teams, not having uh, anything to play for, but that's been there throughout the history of the bowl season. I think more of what he's talking about is players opting out. You know, there's there's loss, there's no interest from the fan base to play, particularly if you think you're a championship-worthy team. And there's probably about 15 teams out there every year that really feel like they have a legitimate shot of giving it a run to the playoffs. 
I'm going to say 15. Maybe there's 20. Maybe there's more fan bases than I think. But, you know, for instance, a team like Auburn, they think they can get there every year. I don't know necessarily when they've just come off a really down year, but that they have that mentality. Penn State has that mentality. Uh, there's some teams like that, that that don't get there but have that mentality. But when you're when you're out, when you're officially eliminated, you start having players that are hanging it up, waiting on the draft, uh, opting out and putting their name in the portal, that sort of thing. So I think from that standpoint, it will keep more players in to the end, uh, at least the playoff teams. And, and let's just, and, and I'm going to discuss this in just a second, but let's just assume you had a 16-team playoff. That's a that's a big number, and, and that's an that's probably not where they'll land on the expansion. It could be, though. I mean, a 16-team model works for a lot of divisions. Yeah, and yeah. so there's not not saying we couldn't work it here. So I, I got a question for you. Who is the best player in the country on whichever team you want to talk to of a team that's not right inside the top 16? Oh, where's, where's North Carolina ranked? They're, are they uh, out of the top 16? I'm going to say Drake May. No, they they were 9-1, number 12 or 14 yeah, last week. Yeah, but they lost. They lost. So I'm going to say Drake May, quarterback for North Carolina. Yeah, you might. You might. I mean, they're still 9-2. So he, he, he may be. He may be snuck they're, in there They're on 16. the cusp. Um, yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I think Notre Dame's got some good players. Uh, I'm really trying to think of who is outside the uh, the 16 that has just a, a knockdown player because uh, Florida State, are they in the top 16 now? They've really battled back, and they, they've you know apparently got some good players. But go ahead and finish your thought. I'm going to go Drake well, it, May. I'm going to say in my world, North Carolina's 17, and Drake May's the best player. <laughs> and you very well may, may be correct. point I'm making is that it was very difficult for you to even come up with a name much less uh, a team, you know, you name some teams that might just be outside the top 16 that are fairly good, but you didn't, you didn't name a household name. You didn't name a Heisman contender name. You didn't name an All-American that you knew of that was in there because, you know what, those guys will be playing in that 16-team playoff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they would not be opting out. You would get to see those guys play all the way to the end of the year. And I think that's a, that's pretty important for college football, uh, particularly with the way it's been trending with the opt-outs. And, you know, we were talking two weeks ago that, you know, will we see uh, Bryce Young shut it down? Will Anderson shut it down? And, and, and he even got asked that question, I believe, this week, Will Anderson, I mean, of whether or not this was the last game he would play for Alabama. Somebody asked him that, and he was noncommittal. He says, I, I don't know. I, yeah. That was his answer. And so you, you would hate to see that when you want to see these guys compete. You understand why they do that. But if you have a 12 or 16 team playoff, that keeps a heck of a lot of those players that are the elite guys in there and playing uh, all year, which would be awesome. And I, and I think if you go to a 12 or 16 team model, and I, and I know the, the devaluing regular season, that sort of thing, but it was two weeks ago on this podcast, I think, maybe three, 
that I broke down the elite teams over the past five years, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and their records on the road against top 10 competition, and nobody had a winning record. And the importance of that is if you make it where you have to win your conference title to get a bye, uh, or you have to win your conference title to keep home field advantage, or even even if you had 16, at 12, you would get buys. If you had 16, you would just say the top four will always be at home. The top eight get a, a home game the first week. That's hugely important. Oh, hugely yeah. important. You can't, you, you can't sit there at 11 and 1, and going, I'm going, or, you know, 10 and one, whatever it is, and say, I'm going to rest my players in the last week. That's the difference between a home game and a road game. And we already have shown definitively that the the most elite teams in the country can't win consistently on the road against a top 10 competition. You don't want to be in the position where you have to go on the road for your first round playoff game. So I think... From that standpoint, uh, you know, a lot of people are going, yeah, you know, people shut it down because they know they're going to be in the playoffs. I think it's hugely important to be at home in that first round, uh, particularly even into the second round. But at some point, you'll go to neutral site like we talked about. But uh, So I guess long story short, I think uh, I think that play, everybody knows the playoff is coming. I wouldn't be opposed to 16. I think 12 is the sweet spot. Uh, but 16 can definitely work. Definitely work, and I, I think we will get a better product out of college football all the way around if we end up one of those models. Well, we know Tom from listening to this podcast in the in the past that eleven is the actual sweet spot. Eleven definitely was the sweet spot until the Big Twelve took a big kadoot and and went out <laughs> with with five major conferences 11 was the sweet spot but when when the big 12 basically dissolved this year i can uh i can in good conscience keep that five conference champion model alive so i had to go to a four conference champion which made us back to 12 yeah I but like... that was that turned some heads <laughs> when you tell people 11 and they thought you were crazy, but that that actually would have worked out beautifully with fantastic. five major conferences. It really was, yeah. um, and, and I agree on the I, I, twelve is good, sixteen is fine, whatever. Uh, and like you said, you know, resting players. I mean, look at Georgia's score this weekend versus Kentucky. It was at Kentucky. It was windy. It was cold. I didn't watch a lot of the game. It was sixteen to six. I know it was sixteen to nothing, and Kentucky went forward on fourth down. And didn't get it. So that would have been 23 to, to nothing at that time. But you remember Kentucky was one of my plays at plus 22 and a half. And I, I'm not going to say they rested their starters. I highly doubt they did. But, you know, I think they put the van in vanilla over the weekend. Do you not? I don't know if you – heck, for all I know, you watch every play. But, like, I would expect Georgia to win more than 16 to 6. and Because uh, Kirby knows. Kirby's in the playoffs. It doesn't matter if Kirby is 1, 2, 3, or 4. And there's no home game to be attained. All he's got to do is finish with zero to one loss. It doesn't matter if they lose to Georgia Tech. It doesn't matter if they lose in Atlanta. They're in. And I don't think they lose either either game. But one thing that 
you know, you need to look at, like Tennessee, they just, their, their season fell apart. We were talking today, Eli and I were, and ha, what is, have you ever seen a season come off the absolute rails quicker than Tennessee's? And the only one we could come up with was 2013 Alabama. You know, we're at Auburn, and if you remember, Jameis Winston won the Heisman that year. But do you remember leading up to the Heisman, he had stole the the lobsters or whatever. He had uh, gotten, you know, he was accused of rape, right? He was accused of sexual, some kind of sexual misconduct. And yeah, that, we, I, mean, I don't you know, think it was rape. I think it was, yeah, it was impropriety or something with a yeah. staffer on the football team or something like that. No, well, it was some girl. I mean, I remember the story, and you know, he basically, I, I think. At, I think best case scenario, he took advantage of her while she was intoxicated. I don't know. It's it's not really important. That's ten year, nine years past. But what my point is, um, Jameis had a lot of warts on his resume based on his behavior. Nothing on the football field. The dude was fantastic. But, you know, the Heisman, you know, you look, O.J. Simpson had his uh, Heisman stripped. After the the murder charges, even though he was found uh, not guilty, he you know he doesn't he's not considered a Heisman Trophy guy. Reggie Bush lost his Heisman due to improprieties off the field, and I I feel like if anybody would have stepped up and taken the award, it would have been given to him. And so we go down to Auburn, and AJ McCarron in the second half. I don't know. I think it was the third quarter because I think we're going left to right. And I think kick six happened right to left. But regardless, we're on the one-yard line. They backed us up with the one-yard line, and he hit Amari Cooper on a 99-yard touchdown pass. Talk about your Heisman moment. You know, I think the voters were looking for any reason not to give Jameis the Heisman. And A.J. McCarron was a fourth-year guy, a three-year starter, <clears throat> two-time national champion. And we he would have gone on to beat Auburn, gone to Atlanta to play Missouri, you know what, probably throw for three touchdowns and 290, 310 yards against Missouri and uh, and then go into the national title game as the number one seed and kick six wiped it all out. But mm-hmm. my, my, back to the point of playoffs, you know, Hendon Hooker, ACL, he's gone for the year. Apparently there was uh, – and I guess we can kind of just go – because this is what I had for the recap. I don't know if you heard about the strife in the locker room. James uh, James or Jeremy Banks, his last name is Banks. He's a defensive uh, guy. He's a linebacker. He didn't travel with the team to South Carolina. Reportedly, he got in uh, fisticuffs or almost came to fisticuffs in the locker room with Hendon Hooker over NIL. <laughs> so, yeah, NIL is working <laughs> out great, guys. Great job of, of NIL because Texas A&M has – in the crapper, Miami's in the crapper. We're actually doing okay because the way we have structured our NIL, everybody gets the same amount from the collective and then whatever you get on your own, that's your business. But, you know, Tennessee was probably going to be in the playoffs. They were going to be odds on favorite. I'm going to say if they had one loss, they were going to get in over Michigan because Tennessee's played five ranked teams. Michigan's played one. And it all came to a crashing halt. So now, do you think Tennessee let, – let's be honest right here. Without Hendon Hooker do you, and, and taking into account Tennessee's defense, are they a top 16 team without Hendon Hooker? Oh, Lord, no. They're, they're, I mean, it, they're, it, they're Auburn without Cam Newton that year. I mean, honestly, they're, they're nothing fancy. You know, they beat us by three. Yes, hey, hats off to them. 
they got demolished by South Carolina. They, you know, Pitt and they, them and Pitt. What I can't remember who took who who took whom to overtime, but that game went to OT. So you know, Georgia put the smackdown on them and shut shut it down because it was raining. <coughs> and Tennessee added the late touchdown to make it halfway respectable. So from that yeah, standpoint, minimum four loss team, minimum. You know what? What do you do with Tennessee if you're the committee and you got twelve teams? Like somebody's gonna get a sacrificial lamb in the first round, which is fantastic for whoever gets to play them, because you're not gonna drop them out of the top twelve unless they lose to Vandy. And you know that is a real possibility. Ten days ago, Tennessee had one loss. Hendon Hooker was probably top, definitely top three, maybe top two in the Heisman Trophy race. There was no, and Vandy was sitting on a twenty-six game conference losing streak, and. Ten days later, Vandy's won two in a row. Hendon Hooker's out with an ACL. They have locker room issues, and Milton did not look good as he came in. I mean, he just—he was wild. He was all over the place. And this game is at Vandy. I mean, Vandy's licking their chops, fella. <laughs> they, you know, Tennessee might go nine and three after being number one in the college football playoff for the first poll. So it, it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch, in my opinion. <laughs> but. That that basically all I want to say about Tennessee. You can chime in anything you want. As I said off the off the air, I'd watch zero plays of Alabama, so you're going to have to tote the mail with the Alabama Austin P. Well, I will. Let, let me just mention this. Speaking about Tennessee, last week, if you listen to the podcast, I laid out some scenarios of what needed to happen if we were to have any sliver of hope, and I mentioned that. Illinois beating Michigan was probably our last hope just based on the cupcake schedule that the other teams had going in, and we should have got it. Uh, Illinois coaching was absolutely atrocious at the end of the game. Same way with Baylor over TCU. Both coachings did a debacle of a job. Both those teams – had the lead, I'm talking about Illinois and Baylor over Michigan and TCU respectively, had the lead with under three minutes to go, and both teams had the ball. And instead of both teams running their offense and trying to pick up a first down to end the game, they both decided to just pound it up the middle three times, make the other team use their timeouts and punt, and it cost both of them. Both of them lost. Um, But... What I what I wanted to mention here, though, is that, you know, I said that we needed Michigan to lose. Well, we did <coughs> until Tennessee lost. I didn't put Tennessee in the category because they were playing South Carolina, of all teams, and then Vanderbilt on a two-game stretch. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Well, who's that from? Is that a legitimate guy? Tiffin, lost. Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I had I had my I had my mic on mute. There's a few blue check marks that are throwing that out there. So uh, this breaking news here on I'm not targeting your targeting podcast. uh, John Sokoloff is saying that Lane Kiffin plans to step down as the Rebels coach on Friday, head to Auburn to become the the Tigers' next head coach, according to sources. So we'll see. Anyway, continue yeah. on with the with with the what all almost happened. 
But but anyway, you know, instead of getting Michigan to lose, we got Tennessee to lose. That's that one that one kept us alive because if if Tennessee wins that if Tennessee wins out and Hooker's not gone and Ohio State and Michigan both win, which happened this past weekend, it's been our opinion all along that both Michigan and Ohio State are in the playoff right now. I think that's a lock. Georgia's a lock. Those three teams are going nowhere. And those three teams are all in, even though Michigan and Ohio State play each other. But the fourth place team would have been Tennessee pretty easily if they could have won out and got some other help. But now they're gone, so our door is open slightly. We're 15% and the FBI is having a, a possibility of getting there. Basically... The last playoff spot is going to come down to one of four teams. It's going to come down to TCU, USC, Alabama, or Clemson. And that's how they're currently ranked in the playoff committee. Now, I will say that Alabama will likely get jumped by Clemson if they win their conference. I'm saying that likely. I hope that's not true based on their showing against Notre Dame, but I hope that is. And I, I jumped a bullet point, so let me let me back up and talk a little bit about Alabama, unless you want to chime in there first. No, go ahead. Um, so Tiffin didn't get to watch the game Saturday. I did, and there was a lot of pushback on Twitter and social media about how poorly Alabama was playing and 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 not doing what they wanted to, blah, blah, blah. Alabama didn't look bad Saturday. If you watched the game and you knew what was happening, then Alabama did a fine job. And even uh, Austin Peay's head coach afterwards says, yeah, we were moving it up and down the field on them and blah, blah, blah. That's the furthest thing from the truth. I think they had 204 yards of total offense. If that's moving it up and down the field, I'd love to play in their conference. Um, <laughs> Alabama took a completely different game plan into the game Saturday. They did not have Jameer Gibbs in the lineup. He was out with a, a, an ankle injury. And there was another guy, I forget who it was, who was, uh, who was held out, who probably could have played in another game, another, another starter. Uh, but Alabama went to a rush mode attack. Now, I was running a little bit behind today and didn't get to do my usual stat work, but I know that on Saturday, Alabama rushed it somewhere in the neighborhood of about 45 times and threw about 30 passes, I think. Mm -hmm. That's completely opposite of practically every game we were in this year. You know, typically we throw the ball significantly more than we rush it. And we just sat there and, and, and basically, like you talked about the other day with Georgia and Tennessee, we took the air out of the ball. We sat there and run it effectively all day. The only reason the game was close in the first half is because we ended up with two turnovers. One was a freak turnover on a punt. We were up 7 uh, nothing or 10 nothing, whatever it was, and – and uh, they punted to us after we'd stuffed them three and out, and, and the ball just bounced up and hit one of our guys in the back of the head. He would, it never saw the ball. They fell on it and had a short field. They were on like our 25, and it still didn't score. Uh, mm-hmm. But but they they took a couple possessions away from us on that one, and then another 
Uh, we had a receiver, a completion, a receiver across the middle, and they stripped him uh, of the ball, fumble there, and took away another possession in the first half. So it was only 17 to nothing at halftime, but I think we'd only gotten the ball five times, or, or four times maybe, I th- because we didn't really get the ball in that punt that we fumbled. We fumbled one. We scored 17 points on our other three possessions. I don't think we punted in the first half. So it was a... Uh, it was not the score was not indicative to how we dominated the game. There's a lot of upset people because we did our normal stuff. Had two or three turnovers. I think um, uh, our Milro threw an interception late in the game when he got in there to give us our third turnover of the day. We had our usual assortment of penalties, but overall, it was a pretty dominating effort on our defense regardless of what austin peace coach will say 204 yards I mean, we give them a short field twice where they were, took over on our 25 they missed a chip shot field goal one time and then we stopped them on downs inside the 10 on another so i wasn't displeased i know a lot of people wanted the score to be 60 to nothing with all the backups in there i think saban purposely did not try to go up there and throw it all over the field to try to put it away early he just had a different game plan going in and so, uh, you know, it, it was a good tune-up. You will not see that game plan Saturday against Auburn. I can assure you of that. Yeah, reading Twitter, it, people were just disgusted. And, I mean, we're just not the team that, that we have been in the past, you know, to, whether it be 2012, 2016, 2018, 2020. You know, we're just not that team that's going to get up, um, you know, 7 nothing, 14 nothing, 21 nothing, 28 nothing. And then thirty-one nothing at halftime, and then you know, then you're like, well, how how many does does the quarterback get? I guess he's gonna get one series, and I bet he gets one series, and we'll go to the backups. That's just not our team this year, and we've sucks, but I, it's, you know, we should be used to it by now. We're just not because Twitter was very negative, and like you said, you know, I think we had five hundred fifty yards of offense, and we scored thirty-four points. So, and I assume we got some some guys in. I know you said Milrow played. Did Ty Simpson play too? He did. He played about the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, so that's good. Now, I, you, you will not see that uh, that game plan against Auburn this weekend, so let's just roll on into the Iron Bowl, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Michigan-Ohio State as well. But, I, you know, the Iron Bowl this year <coughs> is – I couldn't wait to play them when Harson was there. I mean, they were just a rudderless ship. And then they fired him, and they got Coach Caddy in there, and he's brought excitement. He's got the kids believing. He's got them playing hard. I, hey, hats off. I mean, he's done a good job to be as as youthful in his coaching career because he's not – you know, he played in the NFL, and I don't know what he did uh, past when he got out of the NFL, but he has not been uh, a coach for very long at all to be 40, probably what he played at Auburn, and he finished in 04, so – He's probably 40, 41. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of we, – we got head coaches that are younger than that and definitely coordinators that are younger than that. And he's nowhere near being a coordinator. You know, he's running backs coach. So, um, all the rah-rah stuff, you know, he took Mississippi State to overtime and then beat A&M and then beat Western Kentucky. But <laughs> I got news for him. This ain't Western Kentucky you're about to play Saturday. This ain't Mississippi State you're about to play on Saturday. This is not three-win Texas A&M you're about to play on Saturday. We're about to put a freaking mash-down whooping on their asses. I promise you that. 
I, they are not ready for what's about to hit them. That rah-rah stuff is going to work for about five minutes, and then they can't pass. They cannot pass the ball. We're going to eat that offense alive. I promise you that. And normally I'm not this excited about this or this sure about it, but and when the the line came out twenty one and a half, I'm like, well, crap! I don't I don't know full um, I don't know full score. It actually opened at twenty four according to scores and odds, but I, I, it's sitting at twenty one and a half. I just don't think that they can. I don't know if they get ten points against. They got ten thirteen against a And M. We're much better than a And M. So I just look for a big day from Bryce. I look for a big from a big day. Uh, for my receivers and running backs. And, and I think we finally put together a decent game and uh, not penalty-free, but, you know, a, a low amount of penalties. And I just see them in first and 10, second and nine, third and eight all day long. Yeah, you know, Tank's going to get loose or Jarquez Hunter, and uh, they're going to outflank you because they, they run they run plays that, you would, that we have not run since the late 80s. You know, they run student body left – student body right where they have the the tight end in motion and he crack backs and then they uh they pull the guard and the tackle and then they've got a fullback you know john shamuel shaker he pulls as well and it's just they're they're out flanking you they'll hit one of those plays and it, it'll go it might go the distance uh or it definitely can go for 20 30 40 yards but they don't have enough of those plays in them it, it's just going to be a clinic by alabama i'm looking at 41 to 7 I like that. I hope you're right. Um, you know, this is this game's going to be a lot more potentially lopsided. Well, I guess it could go one or two ways, but let's just say, for instance, they do announce Kiffin tomorrow, or it becomes known that Kiffin is is going to get the job. Does does Cadillac's enthusiasm and his preparation for the upcoming game wane and demean in the days coming up when he realizes they didn't even give him a shot to finish out the season before they made a uh, a call on a different coach? Um, because you, you've got to feel if you're in his position, particularly with the crowd support, the fan support that he's gotten over the last two or three weeks – that he felt like he had a legitimate shot at the job. And you know good and well the AD took him in there and told him that he had a good shot at the job. I, there's no way they didn't tell him that he wasn't at least a contender. And uh, if 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 it leaks out there ahead of the game this week, that could be, a, that could be pretty impactful. But I'm also in agreement with you that I don't think it matters. Uh... Currently, Auburn ranks 10th in total offense, 9th in total defense in the SEC. And when you're 10th, 9th, and 10th, just think about the teams you have behind you. You have Vanderbilt. You have Missouri. You have uh, Texas A&M this year. Um, there's, you have really a poor selection of teams to be in company with at that level and and Alabama is second in total defense they're very good against the run which is like you'd already mentioned that's what Auburn's going to have to do they don't have the option to throw the ball if they do I think it gets out of hand in a hurry Uh, they're going to have to establish a a way to run the ball they're going to have to come in and Tank will run hard I mean he's always been known to run hard but they're going to have to be creative in ways to get him the ball 
they don't have to be creative in ways to get their quarterback out of the pocket and try to get upfield and get yardage himself. And that they're they're going against what is probably Alabama's strongest part of their defense is is their rush defense. I mean, I say probably there's no probably to it. When we when we have deficiencies and we give up points, it's that secondary. So uh, I feel I feel good about the matchups for sure, and uh, I don't I don't know that I had the score that you did, but I do think that we should handle them pretty good. I was thinking something about thirty eight to ten. Uh, we're due for a cover, by the way. I don't think we've covered. Mm-hmm. Let's see, we hadn't covered against uh, Ole Miss, and. I don't even know if I had saw a line against Austin P. I know we didn't cover whatever it was. It had no, to be at least forty. No, we didn't have a line. But I mean, even in if you found it at, at what is the what's the what's the book in Vegas? Harry Henry Harry something H H. Yeah, I mean that, it uh, they'll take it, any bet. It would have been Vegas thirty four. Yeah, so it'd have been fifty five. So something. you you've lost those last two. Who did we have before Ole Miss? Uh, we had LSU. You know, there are two games we lost. We didn't cover, of course. Of course, we, uh, we played Mississippi State in there. Did we get the cover there? I think or we no? covered against them. I don't know. They got that last garbage touchdown. Who it knows? was close, but we've been a poor covering teams the last several games. So we're due. We're due. Yeah. So I don't. You know, um, you think of Will Anderson. How many times, at least once a game, he blows up that mesh point that that a lot of teams run, and I just feel like they're not they, they don't have the capability to throw the ball. They don't even if they wanted to just come out and do something totally different, go five wide. They they don't have that in their they don't have the personnel to do it. They don't have the receivers to do it. They don't have the quarterback to do it. I'll go ahead so and call it this, right now on Saturday. If they go five wide and they may do that early, it's going to be a quarterback draw. Yeah, no kidding, man. Toto should uh, should be excited about that one, but I, I look for Will Anderson to be all over uh, Ashford on any of the if he, you know any of the the option plays or the uh, the the fakes uh, carrying out a fake. I mean Will Anderson or Dallas Turner is just going to eat that up. So is there anything prettier be... on defense than watching a a defense blow up the option? where the quarterback takes a step around the corner and he gets smashed but gets the pitch off just in time, and as soon as the running back gets it, he gets smashed too. There's nothing more beautiful than having all angles of that play blown up as a a defensive guy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So that, you know, very anticlimactic this year on the Iron Bowl, uh, which I'm perfectly fine with. You know, I I don't like the – you know, what irritated me when we got back from Tennessee is everybody's like, you know, they knew that we lost and they knew I was a big Bama fan. And, well, well at least you got to see a good game, you know. I'm like, what? I, that's their – people's opinion of a good game and my opinion of a good game are two different things. Now, for the Super Bowl, yes, I would love to see – because I don't have a pro team that I just followed wholeheartedly. Uh, I'd love to see 41 to 38 or 50, 52 to 49 with a last second field goal. That's fantastic. But anytime Bama plays, I, I like it when it's thirty-five to nothing at half, and then it's forty-two to seven in the fourth quarter, and we're we got our backup quarterback in, and we're just running the football to 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 kill the clock. Like that's here, here. exciting football to me. That's so <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that uh, with the Iron Bowl. Now, but with the game, I could see it definitely coming. That of course the game is Ohio State Michigan. 
I really felt like all year that Ohio State would avenge uh, the loss from last year. You know, Michigan just put the whooping stick on them and made them like it. If you remember, Michigan just ran all over them. They could not stop them. It was snowing. It was really cool. Uh, I think, you know, there's some games like that game should be snow every year uh, based on where it's played, and it just would be awesome if if the, uh, the Ohio State-Michigan game was always snowy. But, I, you know, Michigan is better. I think they're better than I'd given them credit for. I looked at their strength of schedule today, though. They're in, in the 60s. Ohio State's 37, I think. So, neither one of them have really played uh, a murderer's row schedule. But, you know, and Corum, the, the running back from Michigan, is he going to go? You know, he got hurt uh, Saturday. He didn't come back in the game. Maybe – I think he got one more carry, I heard – and uh, and then he shut it down. So hopefully he's playing. But I, I don't know. Has Smith and Jigba, the running back for Ohio State, has he played since week one? He's been hurt all year, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't follow Ohio State football, so I'm not sure. Which uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is is playing really well, and they've got another wide receiver. I mean, they got the best wide receivers in the country. They do that. <laughs> so they're they're not lacking there, but. Ohio State is just it is it is at the horseshoe, but they have not been overly impressive. They've struggled, you know. They've had some games where they've just blown teams out, but then they go to Maryland and Maryland, you know, has the ball down six late in the game, and then Talia ends up uh, fumbling or it pops up. I don't know if they called it a fumble or an interception, and Ohio State just runs it in from like two yards out to to seal the game. But, you know, that game could have gone a lot different if Talia, uh, we're talking about Tungo Valoa, you know, Tua's little brother, you know, if he completes a couple of passes and gets them out to, you know, 35, 40-yard line where he could take a couple of shots at the end zone late, that they could have ha- had a loss there. So I really don't know how, how this game is going to go. I'm, I know I hope Michigan wins, but what, what do you have any feeling on this game at all? Yeah, I do. And, you know, you mentioned that about uh, Maryland on Saturday, and I called you about this on Sunday, and we talked through it briefly, and I forgot to mention it earlier. Bama on Saturday went into the weekend ranked number eight in the college football playoff rankings. We know Georgia played Kentucky, which uh, wasn't their best showing, but the game was never in doubt. And LSU, who is also in front of Alabama, played a cupcake. UAB, sorry, UAB. So those two teams were, were you know, basically playing uh, uh, non-competitive games for the most part. The other five teams that were ahead of us, one of them lost outright. That was Tennessee. The other four either won it on the last play of the game. I'm looking at you, Michigan. I'm looking at you, TCU. Or they had to make a defensive stop on the last series of the game to prevent the other team from coming down and winning the game. I'm looking at you, Ohio State versus Maryland, and also USC versus UCLA. UCLA and Maryland both were driving with two minutes to play to win the game, and both come up short. And conversely, Illinois and Baylor were playing two-minute defense to preserve the game, and they both come up short. So that was unfortunate for Alabama's hope Saturday to go 0 for 4 in those close matchups. Every close matchup that come down to the wire went against us. Uh, that Maybe that's just the way this, this season's gone for us. But as far as Michigan and Ohio State goes, I like Ohio State in this matchup, but I think it'll be high scoring. I think I've seen 
times where Ohio State is vulnerable defensively, and uh, they've they've had to overcome that. Now, Ohio State has a good defense. It's not elite. They have a good defense. They're vulnerable to the pass, for sure. I think they're pretty good against the run, but so is Michigan, and that's one of Michigan's strong suits. But I think, I think Michigan has the physicality to run the ball effectively and, and pass it just enough. Uh, and, but the same can absolutely be said for Ohio State. I, I just think Ohio State's got more horses when it's said and done. I expect a fairly high-scoring game here, weather permitting. I don't expect there's any significant weather like there was last year, but um, I expect it to be a high-scoring game, but I do I do think Ohio State gets them this year, particularly at home. You know, we talked about how hard it is to win on the road, particularly against a top-10 elite opponent, and this will be that, and, and that crowd will be raucous on Saturday. So I expect Ohio State to win a high-scoring game, 37-30, to 30, something like that. Yeah, I don't really have a score pinpointed, and – this is where we really need Ohio State to just beat the crap out of them. And I, I was I was not sold on Bama having any chance in the playoffs last, you know, the last podcast when you mentioned it, but then the way things almost unfolded, I mean, we're not we're not out of it because I think what you do and I know you tweeted out and one guy said something about it, it's laughable if you think TCU uh, even with one loss and it's conference champs won't get in over Bama and you're like, "Well, it's not laughable." it's a conversation will have to be had. And I think that's what it, – let's just say Michigan gets beat 49 to 10. I don't think it will be that bad, but let's just say it is. Okay, 49 to 10. So Selection Sunday, they're like, okay, well, let's look at Michigan-Bama. Well, the old school way of thinking is Bama two losses, Michigan one loss, uh, Michigan goes. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> the new way is – well, let's let's look at Michigan's results. I mean, they beat Illinois on a last-second field goal, and and if they miss it, it does not, you don't go to OT. You miss it, you lose, and they made it. Where if you miss that, then they that would be they, then Ohio State would be their second loss. Yeah, Bama's got two losses. You know, last play of the game, we've we've gone over this ad nauseum. You know, Tennessee by three, last play of the game. Uh, LSU by one, overtime. They decide to go for two when they don't have to and make it. Hats off to them. But we would need the committee to say, look, guys, look at the, just look at the, the Michigan-Illinois game. It could have easily gone the other way. And now look at Michigan-Ohio State, 49-10. to 10. And this is where I've always said on the committee, you need a guy from Vegas. You need a wise guy on the committee every year. And he can sit back, and he and the, he can listen, and he could always speak last. And he would say, "Look, guys, I, I I like your arguments, Bama versus Michigan, but just know this right here: Bama versus Michigan on a neutral site. Vegas has Bama as a four and a half point favorite. You know, Bama uh, Vegas has Bama over TCU as a six and a half point favorite. I hmm. think you need Ten. that on the committee. Yeah, well, probably so. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you need that on the committee." Just to say, you know, here's another smart guy's perspective. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Take you know, let's take everything into consideration. Both our losses on the road, 
And of course, in Michigan, were they at home versus Illinois? I think they were. They, uh, uh, yes, they were. They were absolutely. Yeah, seems like they were. They were at the big. So, and that's just one. That's just one example. TCU is another example. If they lose and they only have one loss, well, they could have easily had the second loss at Baylor. You know, they just mm-hmm. they just happen to hit their field goal. You got you know if if we hit our field goal against Tennessee, odds are we win. I I, I say odds are that game was not over as we saw because we missed a field goal and two plays two or three plays later Tennessee's kicking a field goal. So there's no guarantee that we could have held Hooker out of field goal range even though it was like 22 seconds left or whatever. But he'd had to but, start 20 yards <coughs> further back in the field. But point yeah, taken. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So. Um, so we we need Ohio what? State to win big. Yep, and, and you know one thing too that they have mentioned uh, here in the last couple of years is that the committee, when they're evaluating these teams, they're using everything at their disposal. And what I mean by that, because they point blank ask them, they will be looking at metrics and st- stats and and computer rankings and that sort of thing. And Bama does very well in those categories, very well. I mean, that's not the end-all, be-all, of course, but, I mean, they are still currently ranked third in ESPN's FBI metric. And I mm. think that's a that's a recurring theme across the computer models is that Alabama's strength of schedule is very, very high. Uh, it's higher than than anybody in the top, currently in the top five. And uh, so they will reel it in a little bit, not playing and having to play Auburn <laughs> this week will bring us down. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are those are things. All you want to do is you want to be in a position where you're in the conversation. And like I said, if we could get to the final week and and have Texas win the Big 12 championship, that would be ideal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can get – they still have to play this last week and see how it shakes out to see if they get to play TCU. TCU's in. Even if they lose to Iowa State this weekend, they're in. Uh, but you need Texas to win the Big 12. Well, they, they already went nip and tuck one time already. So that's a that's a game that's winnable. And, and you need anybody but USC to win the Pac-10 <coughs> championship or Pac-12, unless well, USC need, happens need... to lose to Notre Dame this week. Yeah, we need Notre Dame to beat USC, and then the the Pac-12 champ will be a two loss, a two loss champ. And but, I, I got this. But even if they don't, as long as USC loses that game, it'll still be a two or three loss champ. Yeah, you yeah. know. So so you have uh, two opportunities there, and that creates conversation. You know, who do you who do you put in there? You've got a one loss TCU that didn't win their conference. You got a one loss Michigan who didn't win their conference. You have a two-loss Alabama who didn't win the conference, or you have a handful of conference champs in Texas that's got three losses or four or whatever Texas has. Texas may have four losses. Uh, you have, you know, potentially Oregon with two losses in in the Pac-12. That would actually be pretty good for Bama if Oregon was to win the Pac-12 with yeah. two losses um, after you know Georgia's already spanked them. Um, it just creates conversation, and I don't know that we could win in a three or four headed monster, but we'd we'd have we'd have a claim. Absolutely, we would. Yeah, I looked at the strength of schedule today. Auburn has the highest strength of schedule in the SEC at nine. 
Uh, Arkansas is 11. LSU is 13. Indiana is the highest Big Ten team. They're 15. Bama's 24th. Ohio State is 37th. Michigan is 63rd. So, <coughs> you know, if we two couple of things need to happen on the two games that we've really talked about, the Iron Bowl and the game. Ohio State needs to win big, and Bama's got to win big. If we slop around and we can win this ball game 27 to 13, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. We have got to put the foot on the gas, get in the 40s, keep them under under the teens, you know, 41 to 7, 42 to 10, something like that. And, and we've done, then we have done all we can do. Then the, the fate's out of our hands. Um, you know, our, our, uh, our, Future in the playoff is out of our hands. We can only rely on help, and, and we can get help because who who saw this time last week? Who saw Tennessee having another loss? Or yeah, another loss. Nobody. No, I had a penciled you know? in as as being a one loss. You know, ended in the season with one. That was the whole premise oh, and they of that were, conversation. They were going to be they were going to be in the playoffs. I mean, they had a win over LSU. They had a win over Bama. And they played Georgia within 14, even though the the score was nothing and not indicative of how the game was played. So they were in, and they blew it, which warms my heart. So let's go to <laughs> on to bets and uh, recap of the bets, bets for this week, and then we'll rank our CFP. So <coughs> we both went one and one. I had Kentucky, which was a win. Hard to cover 22 and a half when you only score 16. And then James Madison, I've been watching them all year. And I had heard, I'd hit the first two legs of the parlay because uh, I took Illinois on the uh, on the point line. You had them on the money line, so I, I gave you a loss there because you were adamant you wanted them on the money line. Is that fair? It's fair. I mean, I thought they would win as eighteen point <laughs> dogs, and they should have if not for the coaching debacle. So I put the four game par in, and so Illinois came, Baylor came, and Kentucky came. I'm like, let me check James Madison, man. I might hit this thing. They were down 34 to 14, and it was still in the first half. So <laughs> I went one and one. I have you at one and one. Illinois money line. Baylor two and a half was a winner, and uh, never in doubt there. So uh, what do you got for us this week on game one? I'm going Iowa State plus the ten and a half versus TCU. I don't know if they have enough to win this game outright. They're certainly capable. I think it'll come down to the wire again. TCU's been down to the wire with probably, I should have looked this up, but I bet they've been come down to the wire for the last one or two possessions of the game with over half the teams on their schedule. I would not venture to say that's very far off. Maybe more like three quarters, but I expect this to be another one because regardless of records out there in the Big 12, there's about six teams that are all very similar. Yeah. No, that's a good one because they have to be mentally drained. It takes a toll on you when you're consistently playing close games. And Iowa State, that, that the the dreaded 10-point line, so that that's I like that pick. I've got Florida State 9.5. Uh, Florida has just been an utter disappointment. I think they're still trying to figure out uh, <coughs> what kind of team they're going to be under Napier. You know, we had to kick Brenton Cox off off the team three or four weeks ago. And Florida State's played well ever since. You know, they got the last second win against LSU on the missed uh, extra point. And they're playing really good. So, I've got them nine and a half. They're at home. And Florida can't be in a good place mentally after losing to Vanderbilt. I, I say Florida State wins by 17-plus. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't dislike that. Um, I wanted to take – South Carolina on the money line this week. 
because that will be another fly in the ointment to get out of our way. It's going to be hard for the committee to put a two-loss Bama team over a one-loss ACC champion Clemson, even though they got hammered by Notre Dame. Uh, but I'm taking Clemson minus the 14 instead because South Carolina just beat Tennessee up and down the field. But we talked about that previously. Tennessee was all offense and no defense. And South Carolina was able to take advantage of that. It is completely opposite with Clemson. Completely opposite. Uh, Clemson's going to be all defense with very little offense. But this is not set up to be a good matchup for South Carolina. And unfortunately, I think they get the doors blown off on Saturday. I always write down three games just in case you take one of my games. Well, today I only wrote down two. I'm like, there's no way he's going to take Florida State or my my other pick, which was Clemson at 14 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, South Carolina's riding high. They They have won the game they wanted to win this year. And Clemson plays defense. You know, Tennessee, make no bones about it. Tennessee does not play good defense. We hung a ton of points on them. Georgia could have scored at will on them. Uh, they're not a good football team. So, uh, that was it's fool's gold to think that South Carolina is going to win another shootout. Uh, you know, Clemson should cover easy. So, let me flip my pick to Mississippi State uh, plus two and a half. I, I think Kiffin's going to Auburn. I think we kind of knew that. You tweeted it out when they laid an egg at, at, uh, at Arkansas the, this past weekend. And with the rumors floating around, they're just not going to be – they're not going to be focused. And you, it sucks for Ole Miss. That's not a good good way to to play your rival. You know, we had to do that in 2002. Franchoni absolutely screwed us. He had his foot out the door to Texas A&M, and we had a much superior team to Auburn that year. They started their four-string running back, and he ran all over us. So they beat us 17-7. to So, I got Mississippi State plus two-and-a-half. So, Iowa State, ten-and-a-half. Florida State minus nine and a half, Mississippi State two and a half, Clemson minus 14 and a half. You can book it. <coughs> so quickly, CFP. Uh, I've got Georgia at one. Georgia at one. I've got Ohio State at two. Ohio State at two. I got Michigan three. Michigan three. I got TCU four. TCU four. Ah, I've got LSU five. Alabama five. Bama five. I've got Bama six. So who do you have at six? USC. USC. So screw the head to head Bama LSU. By gosh, Tom says roll tide. Hey, I, I, <laughs> this is on neutral field rankings, brother. Well, that wraps it up. Uh, it could be a, a most likely will be a much different podcast this time next week. Uh, we won't have a Bama game to talk about. We'll recap the Iron Bowl. We'll talk about the championship Saturday. And I figure we'll be talking about who Auburn's new head coach is. So on that note, Tom, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. And good luck to our women's soccer team. Go Bama.